Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Clay Wilson. We're in petrol head heaven this week. The penultimate round of the Australasian Supercars competition are in Auckland this weekend and hear what Palmerston North Formula One driver Brendan Hartley needs to do to make his stay in F1 permanent. First though, the penultimate round of the Supercar Series in Auckland this weekend. While Australian Jamie Wincup sits at the top of the championship, hot on his heels are New Zealanders Scott McLaughlin and Fabian Coulthard. Another New Zealander, Shane Van Gisbergen is the defending Supercars champion. He also won the Pukekohe event last year and says he always looks forward to coming home. Yeah, and especially the last four years now, um, being back in Pukekohe, you know, I can stay at home, come home early and, yeah, just love racing there, you know. That's where my interest in V8 started was watching the racing there. So now being on the other side of the fence, pretty cool. Do you come home a bit, bit early, do some other stuff? What else yep. do you get up to when you're back? Well, actually, the last year or so, I've been trying to live here as much as I can, so I just come back as much as I can, but, um, yeah, getting to stay at home is pretty cool. I guess in terms of the championship, you're sitting in fifth there, a wee way back. Does that free you up at all, do you think, to attack a bit more, or is that always the mindset for you? Yeah, I'll be doing everything I can, but it's going to be hard. There's four guys with fast cars in front of me, so, you know, I've just got to do my best, hopefully get good results, and then see where we end up, but... It's not going to be easy, that's for sure. And you had a really good year here at Pocky last year, so yeah. what are your memories from that? Oh, that was one of my career highlights, you know, racing in memory of Jason Richards for that trophy and being able to hold it last year was pretty special. Got awesome memories of Jason, you know, he was so welcoming when I uh, first started coming into V8s and gave me a little bit of advice, but that stopped pretty quick. But um, awesome guy and, and hopefully can get there again. Was there any secret to your speed here last year, or did just everything just, just work out well? Yeah, I'm not sure why. I always go well here, but I've raced here for many years. But um, there's some quick drivers. But yeah, knowing every little bit about the track certainly helps. It's a little bit different this year. They've resealed it, but hopefully still the same. Yeah, and I guess everyone's talking about Brendan Hartley, and I'm sure you, yep. being yourself, you drive in a lot of categories around yep. the world. So have you followed it closely, and what have you made of what he's doing? I think um, to jump into a series at the end of the year when everyone's so race fit and used to those cars and how tough they are, for him to jump in and just you know, qualify 13th or something, that's pretty impressive for only his second race. And he was running very well until he had a failure. So I think next year, you know, I think he, I hear he's still going to be in it. I think next year when it's a fresh start, he's really going to get better and better. So I'll be watching it with interest. Now, as Shane Van Gisbergen mentioned there, the rise of Brendan Hartley on the F1 scene has been the hot topic of conversation in New Zealand motorsport circles in recent weeks. Hartley is competing in Shanghai this weekend where he will hope to secure the World Endurance Championship with the factory Porsche team before returning to Formula One next week in Brazil. Another leading New Zealand driver, Mitch Evans, is a race winner in F1's official feeder series, and he says it's fantastic to have a Kiwi back in the championship. Uh, yeah, it's, it's come a, quite a surprise to everyone, I think, to see Brendan get the opportunity. Obviously, it's great for the country. It's obviously been a big drought since the last Kiwi in F1, I think it's like 33 years, so obviously New Zealand motorsport and, and into New Zealand, it's um, it's fantastic. Obviously, 
I wish it was me. I've got a bit of jealousy for sure, but you know, it's, if it can't be me, it's got to be um, someone like Brennan that obviously deserved it. He's obviously done a lot over in Europe and recently with Porsche, and yeah, so uh, it's come at a bit of a unique way of getting into the championship. But nevertheless, he's got the opportunity, and I hope, uh, obviously, hope, hope he makes the most of it. And obviously, I wish him the best as well for for it. And uh, we'll see where it leads him. I guess he's had two races now well one and a half <laughs> what have you made of his performances so far um i was in austin obviously so i was there for the whole weekend i wasn't in mexico but obviously austin was going to be a tough weekend for him uh he's been to the circuit many times to be fair but he obviously had to learn the car and yeah i think he did a, a not a bad job uh, i'm not sure how he started up the weekend i didn't see him after the race but um it was yeah probably quite a steep learning curve and uh then he went to Mexico, obviously, with another circuit that he knew. And obviously, he blew up in the race. And you can't really compare much to the teammate because, you know, Gasly didn't do qualifying or any practice sessions because of the engine blown up. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's gone all right, but I don't really know the details of what the expectation is and, and, um, and stuff. But uh, for sure, he has to probably step it up a little bit for the next few races. But um, he's, yeah, he hasn't made any crazy mistakes or anything like this and um but yeah i don't know what the sort of lowdown has been with how the team's thought he's gone which is probably the most important obviously and you know for his hopes that you know stay there for next year for a full season with some of those things you speak about there i know there's a certain school of thought that because of his experience with porsche that he's got a bit of an upper hand or you know it's it's in his favor for next year does that put him in the in the front in front of mind for a spot for next year yeah i'm not sure to be honest um it's obviously not going to hurt you know as i said the lmp1 car and and the, and the teams are operating at a very high level so from an experience point of view and and what he should be able to cope with behind the wheel should be at a similar sort of level so this will yeah it's not going to harm him but you know most drivers you know operating at a high level they will be able to you know adapt to these situations quite quickly you know within a few races they should you know be on top of all the procedures of the of the car and you know the software and all this so for him it's more just adapting to to the Toroso but if it gives him upper hand for next year I'm not sure it depends how quickly he adapts to the current car you know obviously the Porsche is one car is another and he's going to adapt to this one as quickly as possible so that's probably more important but with that experience from from the last year has been at Porsche and it should help him Cool. And just finally, uh, for those last two races, what would your expectations be for him? I guess it's just to keep making little little steps, little improvements. Obviously, with the car he's in and that sort of thing, he's not necessarily going to be on podiums. But what would you expect to see from him in these last couple of races? Yeah, and I think what's very important um, for the New Zealand sort of public and, and media to understand is that you know he's not in a car that's going to be battling for podiums or wins. You know, this is. You know, anyone that's got any experience in, in with Formula One, they know that only a certain amount of teams are capable of battling for for these sort of positions because of the performance difference between teams. So, I think that the drivers that were in Toros for the majority of the season, you know, they were consistently sort of in the points, you know, in the lower lower end of the points. But uh, I think Saints had a fourth in uh, Singapore. And even Kvyat and, and Austin, for example, was in the points. So I think if he can sniff around, you know, getting points, I think this would be very respectable. And, you know, 
shape him up to be in a good position for next year. The All Blacks face a few familiar faces when they kick off their end-of-year tour in Twickenham this weekend. The All Blacks play the Robbie Dean's coach Barbarians, a team that features no less than 13 New Zealanders, including 54-test veteran Julian Savia. There's also plenty of new faces in the All Blacks team, and here to tell us all about it is our rugby reporter Joe Porter. Joe, there's plenty of new and old faces in this All Black team, aren't there? Yes, well that's right. Coach Steve Hansen has made 11 changes to the All Blacks starting side from the team that lost to Australia last month. He's changed the entire loose forward trio and the midfield, bringing in Jerome Kainor, Adi Savia and Vaya Fafita to start in the loose forwards, giving Kainor a chance to impress after a long time out of the jersey. The midfield's been swapped around. Sonny Bill Williams and Ryan Crotty are gone. Anton Leonard-Brown and young Nani Laumape get a chance to impress. After having not much game time this year for Laumape during the rugby championship, he's barely touched the ball since the Lions series, so he'll be looking to really put his best foot forward. And the All Blacks have a new captain, and there's some themes of redemption on Sunday morning for a current and former All Black, you might say. Yes, well, Bowden Barrett, first five, gets his first chance to captain the All Blacks side, so a great honour for him. He's a natural leader and is in the leadership group, so I guess this is a, another player getting an opportunity to really test their mettle and, and take on the leadership role and see how they perform under the pressure of the added captaincy. In terms of redemption, well, you're dead right. Jerome Kainua hasn't, been play, hasn't played for the All Blacks since being sent home from Sydney ahead of the first Bledisloe Cup match in July due to personal issues. He's had to deal with them and the fallout following. He's now back in the camp and looking to reclaim his spot as the number one blindside flanker. But the way that Liam Squire has been playing, you'd have to, have to assert that he's the incumbent at the moment. And Jerome Kainua will really need to produce some pretty impressive form to reclaim that blindside throne. On the other side of things, in the Barbars, Julian Savia, the axed All Blacks winger who hasn't been sighted in the black jersey since the Lions series. He hasn't been picked for the end of your tour either, despite a few top outside backs going down with injuries and other unavailabilities. So he's got a point to prove. Steve Hansen, sorry, has said that he still has a chance to make it back into the All Blacks jersey and that Savia's future is, with the All Blacks is not done and dusted. However, he'll be looking for a big performance against his former teammates to show that he is evolving his game and that Hansen made a mistake by leaving him out of his end-of-year tour squad. So what would your predictions be for this match? Well, the Barbarians play their typical open brand of rugby. 13 New Zealanders in the side, six former All Blacks, a bunch of South Africans and some Australians. They're going to throw this ball around, a back three that don't like to kick it, so you'll see running and attacking from every angle. It should be a really good game. I mean, the All Blacks will be faced with a tough match. It won't just be a walkover. It's a second-string All Blacks side. There's no doubt about it. And the Barbarians are pretty familiar with these guys. There's a lot of former All Blacks in there. They'll know just what's going to happen. So it could be a much tighter contest than people imagine. However, we should expect to see some great running rugby. And just finally, the 2019 World Cup draw in Japan was confirmed today, with the All Blacks facing one of their old foes first up. Yes, the All Blacks to take on the Springboks in their opening pool game and Pool B at the Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan. What a clash that is to kick things off. A blockbuster to start the tournament. The only first round clash between two previous tournament winners. Of course, Steve Hansen was relishing the idea of taking on the former world champion South Africa as they try and defend their title. The All Blacks, of course, going for a third successive World Cup crown. Hansen, though, not too worried about that clash. He says you have to beat the best to be the best. So he's looking forward to what will be a blockbuster opening to the 2019 World Cup. Of course, this year's end-of-year tour to get through first, the first match against the Barbarians on Sunday at Twickenham. Thanks for that, Joe. That's RNZ rugby reporter Joe Porter.
The race that stops two nations. The Melbourne Cup runs on Tuesday, and more than 6 million people are expected to watch the race on TV and online, with over 95,000 expected to descend on Flemington for Cup Day. Last year's winner Al Mandon is the favourite, but there are plenty of challenges, among them the New Zealand-owned Humidor, who's firmed up after a stunning second in the Cox Plate to Winks. Making his Melbourne Cup debut will be 28-year-old New Zealand jockey Corey Parrish, who rode boom time to an upset win in the Caulfield Cup. The Caulfield Cup gave Parrish his first Group 1 win, five years to the day after he moved to Victoria from New Zealand. Probably different if I'd never rode on the track, um, but because I've ridden a few winners at Flemington and been on the track, uh, a fair few times, it'll just be like no other day. Just go out there the same as every other time that I ride there. And I guess it comes after a, a big moment a couple of weeks ago, so how's life changed for you since that big win at the oh, Caulfield look, Cup? Uh, very busy, uh, a lot of press. Uh, obviously, because it's a lead-up to the Melbourne Cup, makes a little bit more. I had to cut, go down on Monday for the um, the Flemington Carnival launch. Both there, uh, did a lot of interviews and, and things like that. So that's probably fills up your time. Uh, takes takes a lot to do it. So yeah, is it? Uh, what's what's the experience like so far? Is it still a bit um, hard to believe you're here? I guess you know you, you've. Uh you've sort of uh, had a pretty rapid rapid rise up the ranks to, to get here, so is it still a bit sort of hard to believe? Look, it is. Obviously, I've worked very hard to be able to get where I am now. It's been a long time coming in, and I suppose for so long you try and work hard and you don't succeed and you think, ah, oh, you know, will, will I ever get a go? Will, will this opportunity ever arise? And then when, when I found out that I was... Right in the course of the cup, I was uh, pretty excited about that. And obviously then winning it, it uh, definitely was like, well, that's a massive achievement. And I, I suppose you get a lot of people that doubt you over the years and go, oh, you'll never make it and, and things like that. And I suppose at points you, you start to think like that. You think, oh, actually will I ever make it and, and you keep trying and trying and and then when it does turn around and you get that success you go well yes I can do it and you just you just appreciate all, all the people that have stuck by you and and given you the benefit of the doubt and given you the opportunity and and that's really bottom line what it comes down to if you don't have the horse to be on and um, try, try your hardest you you'll never get there so uh, it's probably probably great in that respect and just finally in terms of the the rest of the, the likely field and the other main contenders what have you made of of who's who else is going to be there look um it's a melbourne cup there's a lot of the horses that ran against me in the caulfield cup are in it i'm not saying my horse is the best horse in the race or, or the worst horse in the race uh, i do believe it comes down to what sort of run you get through through the race and anything can happen. So light, for instance, in the Caulfield Cup, my horse got a good good run and through, then top went off with the made him push out over now, the top. But over I the years, believe that sort of a very form good run in the has been power. quite strong leading into the Melbourne Cup. So hopefully that sticks to its word and, and does the same again. That was New Zealand jockey Corey Parrish, who will ride boom time in next week's Melbourne Cup.
The departing coach of the New Zealand women's football team says the all-consuming nature of the role played the biggest part in his sudden exit. Tony Reddings will no longer be in charge of the football ferns after announcing his resignation this week. Reddings took charge of the national side in 2011, and his exit will come as a shock to some given he was contracted through until 2019. After being in the role for six years, the 42-year-old who took the ferns to the 2012 and 2016 Olympics and the 2015 World Cup felt the time was right to step aside after what he deemed a very beneficial September tour to the US for two games against the world's best women's team. And I think if you feel that individually, then I think that's what's best for the team. Like if you feel it's right for yourself to move on and explore some new challenges and opportunities, then I think you know the team needs someone that you know is going to be sort of you know, fully, fully enthusiastic, fully committed, and and and, and you know that's going to be there. You know, their sole focus, which it has been for me, and I just think you know all good things come to an end. I've been with the team for a long, long time, so I don't think they're. I've been pretty loyal and um, to the team, and, and given the team a lot of my time and sacrificed a lot of time with my family. And I think now it's time for me to maybe prioritise those types of things and, and explore some new opportunities. So it sounds like then it was very much a decision that you initiated. I know you went through a review process as well, but this is something that's come from your end at first uh, at first um, call. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we had we had a, a review following USA and. Um, you know, I think both myself and New Zealand football, and you know, they, they appreciate that. I hope they appreciate it, and I'm sure they do because I've had some very kind words from them around, you know, what I've given to the to the team. Um, um, yeah, and I think it's with terms of the timing, it, it works out well because there's a tour coming up to Thailand, um, so it gives someone an opportunity to get some work in there ahead of next year. Um, and and it's far enough out now from the World Cup that you know someone can just stamp their mark on it. You know, if, if I kept going. For the next sort of, this, we don't have many tours um, as a team. So if I'd have kept going for this Thailand tour and then maybe a tour next year, then it gives someone a lot less time to to really stamp their mark on it. So I think you know, New Zealand football would agree that you know once you've decided that it's time to move on, it's probably a good a good time to do that. Um, but no, they've been really kind with um, their comments and, and, and those types of things, and uh, we we move on. Hopefully, the team moves on to bigger and better things, and then you know myself as well as I can move on to some good challenges moving forward where I can build on you know so many things that I've had to learn and acquire over the time that I've been with the team. Sure. I mean, it sounds very much like it and it appears so. I guess just because it's so sudden, um, you know, in terms of there's no animosity or, or no frustration f- from your end between yourself and how the roles worked or the national body? No, I mean, it's, it's, always, it's always so hard for. I know, like, I mean, there's so many people that work at New Zealand. I mean, when you work at New Zealand football, it's... It's so easy to see. There's so many people that work so hard because we don't have the the luxuries and the resources that other people have, and they're just everyone's working flat out behind the scenes, trying to do the best they can in every aspect of building the game. You know, whether it's at junior level, whether it's um, working at the high performance end, is everyone's working as hard as as they possibly can. And when you have that sort of um, sort of connection throughout the organisation is quite strong because you know you're sort of doing it and you're, you're trying to achieve things that other countries are achieving but with, with far less so no you know we leave on we definitely I definitely leave on good terms and you know I just wish them all the best for the future with the team and you know when you spend this long with a team you don't you can't just switch off from them I'm always going to be a fan of the team I, I want the team to go on and do well and um, I hope you know the team continues to be successful and then you know, some of the work that I would have done and the players and staff have done during my time with the team would have played a big part in that as well. 
Well, I guess with the ending of one chapter for yourself personally, another one opens. So what's next for you? Have you got a new role lined up? No, I don't have anything lined up uh, imminently. And to any when you do these roles, they are all-consuming. You sort of, you're up at early in the morning contacting players. You're watching players overseas. You know, there's domestic trainings. So for me, it'll be nice to, and I've been doing this for a long time, so it'll be nice to take a little bit of time off. Um, it's a bit of time just to spend some of the family as well because they often the first ones to get neglected when you're away or, or busy because you're either away or preparing to be away or reviewing being away. It's always, it just seems like that's, that cycle is continuous and I'll take a bit of time down, a bit of time away and then I'll just you know consider what my next opportunities are going to be but I, I hope that during the time that I've worked in the row I've been able to acquire so many skills because when you're the head coach of the New Zealand team it's not just around putting cones on the pitch. There's so much more you have to do in the background and work and planning and strategies and those types of things. So I'm, I'm hoping that my skill set now has grown to a point where, you know, there's going to be some good opportunities, but I'm not in a, in a rush to do anything tomorrow. So it'd just be good to have a little bit of time to assess because I think then I'll be a lot fresher going into anything new. That was outgoing Football Ferns coach Tony Reddings. And that's extra time for this week. Your feedback is always welcome via Twitter at RNZ Sport. Or you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Clay Wilson. Catch you next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.